0: called Exhausted, because after the holidays, usually that's exactly what we're feeling. There's so many emotions going on. There's so much family. Toward the end, we're just exhausted, aren't we? On every level, physically and also soul exhaustion. And that's really what we're talking about today and throughout the series is this idea of soul exhaustion. And so the first week, we looked at this idea of not being able to say no to people and how exhausting that is. Because we can't give up on opportunities. And so when we can't say no to people, it just kind of wipes us out on a deep level. I've learned very young in my life that sometimes your best yes is a no, because if you say no to someone else, you're saying yes to your family or the ones closest to you. But that's a hard thing to learn in life. Last week, we looked at integrity and how we have, uh, how when we give into temptation, and when we don't do the right things, that becomes just an exhausting, exhausting thing, doesn't it? Because you're tempted, you give in, tempted, you give in, and just becomes an exhausting cycle that we go through in life. And next week, we're going to close with talking about control issues. Anybody have those? That? All right, probably all of us. We're going to look at how control issues can lead to a deep sense of exhaustion. But today today we're looking at the soul exhaustion of People pleasing the soul exhaustion of people pleasing, which can absolutely destroy you, can it? we're going to be in First Thessalonians chapter two. If you do have your Bible, you can turn there we're going to eventually get to that passage or it's going to be on the screen for you today. but why basically, I just want to just be very transparent with you. This is the one that I struggle with the most. very transparent with you that I am a people pleaser. Th- through and through in life, I feel the soul exhaustion of people-pleasing on a very, very deep level. And it's something that I have to fight with in my life because sometimes I can cross that line to where it becomes all about me and not actually about the other person that I'm, what I'm doing for them, right? And so I struggle with people-pleasing. I struggle saying no to people because I think they're gonna think less of me. So a lot of times people will ask me to do something, I want to say no, and I probably should say no, but I don't want them to think any less, so I say yes, and I find myself in a tough spot. I struggle with people pleasing because I want everybody to like me, to love me. I get a little further than that. I want to be everybody's best friend. I want everybody to like me. I struggle with people pleasing. I need to do it all for everyone so they don't have to do it. I struggle asking for help. It's like, oh, no, I'll do it. I don't want to put you in a tough spot. And yet, people want help, don't they? I know that. It's just really hard for me to ask for help. And at times, I struggle with people pleasing a lot when it comes to saying the truth to someone who really needs to hear the truth. And yet, I don't want them to be mad at me, so I hold back. And I don't tell the truth. Or I don't say the true thing in that moment. You see, I struggle with that. Maybe you can relate to me today. Maybe you can. Maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum and you're like, I don't care about anybody. I, can, I just do what I want. Okay? I don't, who cares about them? So there's spectrums here, all right? So if you're on that end of the spectrum, you might want to check yourself. But if you're like me and you really struggle and you're, you're on the other end of the spectrum where it gets too far then you need to check yourself today as well. So if you don't really know if you're a people pleaser or not, we're just gonna do a little self-evaluation here. And so I'm gonna ask some questions and you kind of answer them to yourself and also no elbowing the person next to you, okay? This is about you right now, all right? So first, you might be a people pleaser if you look for ways to agree with others even though, you deep, even though deep down you disagree. Is that you? You do that. You might be a people pleaser if you apologize often and you are super sensitive to criticism. You know those people that just apologize about everything. Why, why are you apologizing? That's what people say to me all the time. You might be a people pleaser if it's hard for you to say no to people. That's a, that's a good telltale sign. You might be a people pleaser if you cannot stand the thought of some someone being angry with you. Maybe you can't go to sleep at night knowing someone's mad at you, something like that. You might be a people pleaser if you avoid conflicts at all costs. You're just like, I don't care. I'm not going to get into it. Make sure everybody likes me. And you might be a people pleaser if you feel responsible for how other people feel. So you do whatever you can to keep the peace or you do whatever you can to make sure that everybody is good. So how'd you do? Maybe that's you today There's a tension here, though, when it comes to Christians, when it comes to following Jesus, because in the Bible, we're told often, time and time again, that as Christ followers, we're to love others, we're to serve others, we're to sacrifice for others. In fact, we're told in the Bible that we are to count others better than ourselves and so it's really interesting, this idea of people-pleasing, because it's like the Bible wants us to do these things for other people, and yet I'm sitting here saying today, like this is a bad thing to do in life. So just like anything else in Scripture, there's a line that you can cross, isn't there? There's a line you can cross. There's one thing to love others, to serve others, to sacrifice for others, in humility. That's the key, isn't it? In humility, because when you cross the line into people pleasing, usually you love others, you serve others, and you sacrifice for others out of pride. All of the sudden, you find yourself doing things not for their sake, but because you're doing it for you because you want to feel better. That's the people pleasing we're talking about today. Obviously, we want to follow Scripture and love others and serve others and sacrifice for others. But we got to make sure we do that in humility and not out of the root of pride. Because that's where it can often lead. Transparency. A lot of times I may do some things in my life for other people and those are good things and people see it and they're like, oh, it's so cool you're doing that. But in actuality, if you really get down to the root, there are times I do things because I want to feel good. It's not even for them. It's kind of odd to say. I don't even care how they feel, but it makes me feel good. That's not a loving thing, is it? And so we have to really kind of get on the same page of what we're talking about when it comes to people pleasing today because there's that fine tension we feel. So we're going to define a people pleaser this way. There's three things. First, a people pleaser is someone, a person that lives to be liked and accepted. You live like you are. You thrive on the idea of just being liked all the time and being accepted no matter where you go. Uh, you may be very concerned with the like button on Facebook as well. All right, just just throwing that out there. A people pleaser are controlled by fear of what other people think. So you, you thrive on the idea of exception, of being accepted, and then you're controlled by fear of what other people think. So instead of just enjoying something, your mind is always on like, oh, what are they thinking about me right now? Am I wearing something nice that, that might be good today or not? Is my hair good today or not? Like this idea, you're always thinking about what other people think. And you might be a people pleaser if you do whatever it takes to earn or maintain the approval of others, whatever it takes, even if it's very destructive in your life and in theirs. So that's kind of how we're talking about people-pleasing today. It's people-pleasing that's crossing the line into this idea of pride, fear, and insecurity. Pride, fear, and insecurity. And so this tension that we see in this idea of loving, serving, and caring for others, but yet... On the other side, living in pride, fear, and insecurity. We see this tension in Proverbs 29, 25. It's a beautiful proverb, and it says this. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. But trusting the Lord means safety. So right off the bat, you got to think about it. The phrase fearing people is not talking about fearing people like you would a spider or heights or anything else you may be scared of. The idea of fearing people here is putting your trust and hope in them for approval. Or in other words, you're putting your entire worth into the minds of others. And this proverb is telling us to not do that because it is a dangerous trap. It is not a good thing to go into. I like what the other versions talk about. Instead of using the word trap, they use the word snare. And in my extensive education from Discovery Channel, a snare is like a trap of like rope or wire or something that you would just set along. So like you hunters are gonna not like me after this ex- explanation, but you're gonna like set the trap along where these animals will walk. And uh, if it's a little animal, hopefully you can catch them by a leg. If it's a big animal, apparently you can snare big animals. Didn't know that till after last service, someone told me. So uh, you're setting this snare, and this snare is this animal gets caught in it, and usually you set it, and you kind of leave, and then you go back and check it the next morning, and apparently these animals will get caught, but you know what they do? These animals thrash around for hours upon hours, many of which don't make it to the morning, but if they do make it to the morning, guess what they are? They're exhausted, aren't they? They're probably just laying there exhausted because they're stuck in this trap. That's what this Proverbs is liking, this idea of fearing people, fearing people with insecurities and fearing people with pride. This idea of putting your hope and your trust and your worth all in people. He's saying it's a trap like a snare. It's not going to end well for you. In fact, it's going to go really bad for you because that's what a snare does. It causes destruction. This is the trap of fearing people, of putting your hope and trust in people in life. The fear of what someone may think of you, the fear of someone letting you down, the fear of how they're going to respond when you say no, the fear that something doesn't like you, someone doesn't like you, fearing to speak up, the list goes on. And I'll be the first to admit, when I'm stuck in that trap, it's exhausting. And ultimately, it's actually pretty destructive in my relationships as well. Even though I think I'm doing the right thing, people-pleasing usually causes some destruction. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting in the Lord means safety. Aren't those beautiful words? Those are beautiful words. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting in the Lord means safety. Listen, people can never provide the lasting security that God can. Let me say that again. Fearing people can never provide you the lasting security that God can. And here's why because fearing people is very temporal, it's temporary. I may please you today and do what you want today so you like me and you approve me and you accept me, but guess what? I wake up tomorrow and I gotta do it all over again because tomorrow is a brand new day, isn't it? And someone you, who accepted you and approved you and liked you yesterday may not like you tomorrow. And so you gotta do it all over again. And then you get to the next day and guess what? You gotta wake up and do it all over again and all over again. That's exhausting, isn't it? This idea of fearing people, of putting your worth in them, it's exhausting. It's it's a trap. It's temporary. But trusting in God is eternal. It's eternal. Lamentations 3 says that the love of the Lord never ceases. That's eternal. It says that his mercies never come to an end. That's eternal. It says his mercies are new every single morning, the mercy of God being pleased with us, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. That's eternal every morning. They're new, and God comes through on his promises. God is faithful every day. He's faithful, even though we remain faithless to him at times. You see, trusting in God is eternal. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, and we run to him, and we trust in him, he turns around and says, welcome, my burden is light. We don't have to wake up each morning questioning whether God loves us or not. Because his love's eternal. We don't have to wake up thinking, okay, I got to do all these things to make sure God's pleased with me. No, he is pleased with you already for trusting in him. Fearing people is very temporary, and it's exhausting. It's a trap. Fearing God, trusting in Him, is eternal. And His burden is light. His yoke is easy. Trusting in God is not exhausting. It's life-giving. It's life-giving. There are probably many people in this room today who can attest to the life-giving trust that they have in God. We could probably sit here and tell story after story of how faithful God has been, how life giving God has been for us since we've decided to put our trust and faith in Jesus, since we've decided for God to work in our life. Because that's what happens when you trust in God. All of a sudden, we're trusting in something that is far greater than we are. Because we can't handle it on our own, can we? It becomes exhausting. We are depleted. But yet with God, we are sustained, we are fulfilled. It's life-giving. You see the drastic difference there? Fearing people causes us to fall into a dangerous trap. But trusting in God leads to safety. One of the greatest examples of someone who lived this verse out is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, before Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he was uh, striving to please every pharisaical leader that there could have been. He was a Jewish person who was not a Christian. He was suppressing this new church that was following Jesus. He did not like them. He did not want to see them thrive. And then all of a sudden, he had this experience with Jesus, this very life-giving experience, and his life drastically changed. We see kind of he almost detoxed this idea of starting to please people, and he became this guy who operated in life with an audience of one. And everything he did was based on what God wanted for his life, not on what others wanted from his life. And so one of the great places where he talks about this difference is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, and we're going to read them in full here this morning. 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 6. It says, you yourselves know. Remember, he's writing to a church here, okay? So these are, these are people who he's already met. These are people who he has shared the gospel with. These are people who are following Jesus. So he's writing to actual people here. You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated in Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet... Our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly, in spite of great opposition. So, you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. Trickery, that's a great word, anyways. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. He never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. No, and God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. Paul makes a lot of bold statements in this one little passage, but you have to ask the question, why is he saying this? You have to get the full context of what's going on here in these first six verses of the second chapter of this letter. Remember, it's a letter to this church whom he loves. And so if you go to Acts chapter 16 and 17, this is is recorded in chapter 17, Paul going to a town of Thessalonica. So he leaves Philippi, and we're going to talk about that later. He leaves Philippi, and he heads to this town of Thessalonica. And we're told in Acts 17 that Paul preaches in Thessalonica for three Sabbath days. And he preaches there, and you know what happens? Tons of people are persuaded Christianity. Tons of people are persuaded to believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's amazing. A lot of Jewish peoples did not like that, and so they started rioting. And they were like, we bring these people out. We want to arrest them. We want to persecute them. And so Paul and his cronies bounced And they couldn't find him. And so they dragged this guy out by Jason, who's like housing them. And they're like, Jason, where is he? He's like, I don't know. And and Jason's like, here's some money. And they're like, all right, cool, we'll leave now. And that's exactly what happens. But Paul kind of leaves after that. So Paul was only there for roughly three weeks. And yet this church started. Isn't it amazing what God can do in just such a short period of time? And so Paul was there for three weeks, but he had to leave. And you know what happened when he left? This church started going through physical and spiritual persecution, both fronts, physical and spiritual. One of the spiritual persecutions they were going through was the fact that a lot of people would follow Paul on his missionary journeys. He would start these churches, and then he would go to the other city, and guess what? They would swoop into the cities he's already been at so that they could gain a lot from those people. And they would share these false gospels. They would share these false messages. And so this church was just at this place where they're having these concepts and these ideas brought to them that Paul never taught them. And so what Paul is doing here in these, two, in this, these six verses is he is contrasting the heart of someone who is there to please God versus the heart of someone who is there to please people and themselves. These two hearts are just opposed to one another. They are different from one another. They have different motives. They have different ideas. One's there for God purposes and one's there for greedy gain. And so that's what Paul is doing here in these verses. He's contrasting the two messages. He's contrasting the two ministries that are happening in Thessalonica. And in this passage, we see three principles of what it's like to live as a people pleaser. Three downfalls of what we will experience if we strive to please people like these Judaizers were. And so let's look at these principles here today. First, if we're people pleasers, if we live our lives trying to please people, it's going to cause us to miss God's purpose in our lives. Look at verse 4. For we speak as messengers, approved by God, to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. So there's your contrast. The other false teachers were going there to try to please those people, almost like saying everything they wanted to hear so that they could gain anything they could from those people, okay? And yet Paul's saying, listen, that's not who we were. That's not what we're all about. In fact, we are messengers who were approved by God and entrusted with this beautiful message of Jesus, his death, and his resurrection. And you know what? That's what we came and spoke to you. The beautiful message of Jesus, his death, and his resurrection. And you know why we did that? We did that because we're here to please God, not you. And so we're gonna speak the truth to you. We're gonna tell you what God wants us to tell you, not so that you like us, not so that you love us, not so that you'll give us anything, but simply put, so you can hear the message of the gospel. The people pleasers were missing that purpose. That's what these false teachers were doing. They were simply trying to please people for their own prideful, sinful gain. And we kind of saw it in the other part of the passage. They were doing things for their own pride, for their own self. And you know what? Today, we have the same gospel given to us by God. Today, we have the same, we are messengers approved by God and trusted with the good news because the spirit's the same right there in Paul's day as it is today. And so here's the beauty of this is that we can either be like Paul where we live life trying to please God first, or we can follow the footsteps of these Judaizers and we can please people and try to have our own sinful gain prideful gain and so the choice is ours is we can either please god or we can please people one's a trap and one is safety You have to think about that. Paul echoes the same thing in Galatians 1.10. It says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. So there he says it again. He says, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. That is a huge statement because if if he was pleasing people, I would not be Christ's servant. Whose servant would he be? Himself. If he wasn't there to be Christ's servant, then he would be there to serve himself for his own gain, for his own glory, for his own honor. That's what people-pleasing can cause us to do. It can cause us to fall into the trap of really serving ourselves rather than serving God, winning the approval of God, which obviously we don't have to do because Christ did that for us, but walking in obedience obviously does that for us. He would be serving himself. Listen, I say this all the time. When we trust in Jesus, we are putting our trust in something bigger than ourselves so that when we're at the end of ourselves, we have something to hold on to. Do you realize that? When we're living our lives and trusted with this good news and trusted with the gospel and trusted with what Jesus wants us to do, to, to live a life pleasing to him, You know what happens? We're putting our hope and our trust in something bigger than us, so then when we're at the end of ourselves, we have something to hold on to. But if we're simply trying to serve ourselves, it's not gonna go well, is it? We have nothing to grasp. We have no hope. And that's why we gotta continue to please God because He is greater than us. That is His place. Don't put yourself there. Here's a life step for you. Instead of living for the approval of people, live in the acceptance of Jesus. There's a freeing freeing sense there, isn't it? When you know you're accepted by someone, there's just a freedom to be you, to be real, to be truthful, to be honest. Like that's what I experienced with my wife. I know for a fact she's accepted me for who I am. We've been married 10 years now, all right? And so she's accepted me for who I am. It's a safe place for me to go into. Because I know she's accepted me. It's so freeing. I can be myself. It's the same thing with our God. When we live in the acceptance of Jesus, it's a freeing moment. Because I don't have to strive for people. I strive to please God because he's already accepted me through Christ. That's the first downfall. The second downfall, if we live to please people, it causes hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. It causes hypocrisy. Verse 5. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well known, as God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. We all kind of know the idea of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy means pretender or poser. Have you ever called someone a poser? Is that too old of a phrase for some people? You're a poser, you're a pretender, you're a hypocrite. Hypocrites go into situations saying one thing but doing another. They have wrong motives in their heart. They have wrong motives. So these people would swoop in, they would use flattery, saying, here, this is going to be a great thing of life, and by the way, give us your money. I'll do this if you give me your money. I'll, I'll do these things, I'll say these things, make you feel good, but really, they're doing it for their own prideful gain. They're hypocrites. They're pretenders. They're posers. You see, when we live as a hypocrite, it causes us to make compromises, and compromises lead to more hypocrisy, and hypocrisies lead to a lot of pain and hurt, don't they? I think all of us can say in here today that we've experienced pain and hurt because of our hypocrisy at one point. Because we were saying one thing but doing another. So how do we keep from being a hypocrite? It's very simple. We need to slow down and let God examine our hearts and invite godly accountability into our lives. I have to do this time and time again because remember, I'm very tempted to be a people pleaser. Like that's my natural bent So in verse 4, we're told here that he alone, God, examines the motive of our hearts. So if I go into a situation where I get to serve others, I get to sacrifice for others, I get to just absolutely do something for others, I say, God, please examine my heart that I'm doing this for them and not me. It's that simple. And then it's between me and God if that's the case. And so we have to allow God to examine our hearts in that, and I do that so that I don't fall into those hypocritical moments, those compromises that are very destructive. And then at the same time, we also need to let accountability into our lives. We live in such an individualistic age, we all know this, that we just want to shut people out. We love our back porches, not our front porches, right? It's very, it's very cultural, And so in order for us to make sure we don't live in hypocrisy, you know what? Allow someone in. Let someone in to hold you accountable to where you are. And I have that set up in my life. It took a while. I didn't want to share. I didn't want people to know I struggled with that. But it was something I needed to add into my life. So I have that. The last thing, when we live as people pleasers, it keeps us from speaking the truth. First Thessalonians two two, you know how badly we had been treated in Philippi just before we came to you, and how much we su- suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare His good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So, back to Acts chapter sixteen, he's like telling these Thessalonians, like, hey, you know what happened to us in Philippi. Do you guys know what happened? I'll tell you. In chapter 16 of Acts, we read the story where he goes to Philippi, and they are persecuted there so much. They're stripped naked, they're beaten, and then they're thrown into prison. And it's actually a pretty remarkable story of how they get out. You should go read it. I can't tell you the whole story. But they get out, and they actually start a church in that town, which is pretty amazing. God is at work. But Paul, again, is like, we gotta go, or else it's not gonna go well again. And so they hike 94 miles to the next town. Guess where the next town was? Thessalonica, the next town. And so they were just coming out of Philippi saying like, probably telling the story like, guys, this was unreal. Listen to this. We were beaten, thrown in prison and God got us out miraculously. A church started. you never believe it, but the Holy Spirit was working and he told that story. He says, you know what happened to us. And so here's the point here, is that if Paul was a people pleaser, if Paul was just there for his own prideful gain, do you think he would get out of jail in Philippi and then head to Thessalonica to do the same thing? No, he'd go home. I would probably go home too, I think. Sad to say, but literally, like, if he was just there for his own gain, that would not have been worth it. Going to the next towns to speak the truth of the gospel would not have been worth it. He would have said, I can go scheme other people. I can go scam other people in another way. But yet he didn't. Instead, God gave him the courage to continue. Because remember, who is he there to please? God. God. God gave him the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of the opposition, which they experienced in that town as well, and it continues on through his missionary journeys. When we live as a people pleaser, it causes us to go home. Right? It causes us to not speak the truth when the truth is needed to be spoken. It causes us to hold back in certain moments when we should probably tell our spouse the truth. It causes us to hold back when our friend is struggling or they're doing something we know is wrong, and yet we should speak up and speak the truth in that moment. It causes us not to share with our kids, little and grown, the truth of Jesus or what they should be doing in life and training them. People-pleasing causes us to not speak the truth. And yet, if we're out there pleasing God, we get to speak the truth in love, don't we? Speak the truth in love. So here's the next step. Oh, I love this this quote by John Piper. I think we've heard this before, but the fear of man, fearing man, people-pleasing, can immobilize us when we should take action and gag us into silence when we should speak. It's so true. The fear of people, people people-pleasing, causes us to not do anything and also to shut our mouths. Speak the truth in love, but make sure you speak the truth. That's a good step to take. It's not always easy. And people may not like you in the moment, but I guarantee you if you do it in love, even if they're mad at you, this is what I've come to find out in my life, I'm like, all right, I'm going to speak the truth and it's going to hurt and they're going to hate me and I'm going to hate it. Oh, my word. But usually, you know what they say? Thank you. It's like, oh, why was I so scared? It's because it's about me, not them. Speak the truth in love, but make sure you speak the truth. So let me just wrap it up here today for you. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. It's a dangerous trap. It causes us to miss God's purpose for our lives It leads us to a life of hypocrisy, and it keeps us from speaking the truth. It's a trap that's going to lead to exhaustion, and exhaustion is going to lead to destruction. Destruction of your relationships, destruction of your faith, destruction of so much. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Because trusting the Lord causes us to embrace God's purpose for our lives. It causes us to lead a genuine life, not hypocritical, but genuine, authentic, being who God has created us to be. And then it motivates us to speak the truth. Trusting in God means safety. So the choice is yours you are you can either keep living an exhausted people pleasing life seeking your own glory and honor and pride or you can live a life trusting in god seeking to bring him honor and glory while loving people what are you going to choose let's pray god we thank you so much for your word we thank you so much for your grace for your mercy God, the fact that you are just a safe place for us to go to. You are what we can hold on to when we're at the end of our rope, when we can't measure up, when people can't measure up. God, I pray that we would continue to trust in you because you are that safety. You are the one who has entrusted us with this beautiful message that we get to live out in our lives, that we get to share with others. God, I pray for all of us in here today that we would seek your honor and your glory and humility rather than our prideful, sinful selves. And so continue to work in our hearts. Continue to work in our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hopefully you can join us next week for our last uh, message.